Hello, welcome to our podcast, Carefully Examining the Text. And in today's podcast, we want to examine the 53rd Psalm. Psalm 53. For the choir director, according to Mahaloth, a maskel of David. The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt and have committed abominable injustice. There's no one who does good. God looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there's anyone who understands, who seeks after God. Every one of them has turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There's no one who does good, not even one. Have the workers of wickedness no knowledge, who eat up my people as though they eat up bread, and have not called upon God? There they were in great fear, where no fear had been. For God scattered the bones of him who escaped against you. You put them to shame, because God had rejected them. Oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion, when God restores his captive people, when Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad. In in this passage, in this psalm, we find striking similarities with Psalm 14. As one writer said, these psalms are twins, not identical twins but they are twins. And we're going to talk about, Lord willing, later, the reason why this psalm would be repeated, some of the differences between the psalms and why it would be repeated. But there are a couple of striking differences about the psalm that I want to mention right at first. First of all, the heading to Psalm 53 is fuller, more complete than the heading of Psalm 14. Notice it says, For the choir director, according to Mahaloth, a maskel of David. That term maskel was used in the headings of 52, 54, and 55. And so that is placed in the heading of Psalm 53, and it does not appear in the heading of Psalm 14. Another significant difference between the Psalms is Psalm 14 uses the term Lord in all capitals in your English translation, the term Yahweh. It uses that term four times, and it uses the term Elohim three times. Psalm 53 does not use the term Yahweh or Lord at all. It uses the term Elohim seven times. So while Psalm 53 uses the term God seven times, the Hebrew Elohim, Psalm 14 uses Yahweh four times and Elohim three times. So God is referred to differently in these psalms. But let's notice what the psalm says. The Bible says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. 
We are foolish to act as if no God made us and there is no God to whom we will give an account. We're foolish to live in such a way. It is interesting that these psalms are placed the way they are. In Psalm 52, in the heading, there was a reference to Doeg the Edomite, who David encountered in 1 Samuel 21 and 1 Samuel 22. In the heading of Psalm 54, there's a reference to the Ziphites, who betrayed David to Saul in 1 Samuel 23 and 1 Samuel 26. But in Psalm 53, the Bible says the fool has said in his heart. The fool is the Hebrew term Nabal, which is the name of the man Nabal in 1 Samuel chapter 25. Even his wife Abigail admits he is a fool. And so that may be significant the way this particular psalm is arranged from that perspective. But this particular word for fool, this word from which we get Nabal's name, this word is used often in the Bible to describe destructive sexual behavior. For example, Shechem's rape of Dinah is described this way in Genesis 34 verse 7. The men of Gibeah seeking to rape the visitor who has come to the man there in Judges 19.23. Their behavior is described this way. The rape of the concubine, which followed from that incident, is described that way. It's described as foolish in Judges 20 in verse 6 and Judges 20 in verse 10. Tamar or Amnon's rape of Tamar in 2 Samuel 11, 2 Samuel 13, verses 11 and 12. This word often refers to behavior, particularly sexual behavior, that threatens the well-being of individuals and even a community. And the Bible tells us, the fool, the fool who acts as if there is no God to give an account for his life, the one who is not conscious of God in the way he lives and the decisions he makes, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now, we found that attitude expressed before in the Psalms. Psalm 10, verse 4 and often, as we stated when we covered Psalm 14, this doesn't refer to a philosophical atheist, but this refers to one who lives as if there is no God. But certainly, anyone who lives as if there is no God, whether he claims to believe in him or not, fits the definition here of a fool. And the Bible tells us that this behavior, this belief, will inevitably reveal itself in behavior. The text tells us that they are corrupt and have committed abominable injustice. In contrast to the fear of the Lord, which leads to wisdom 
in the book of Proverbs, here this belief that there is no God will reveal itself in destructive behavior. But the Bible tells us in verse 2 that God looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there's any who understands and any who seeks after God. God looks down and God sees. It is interesting that often in passages that describe people living as if there is no God, what they particularly deny to God is the ability to see. Listen to Psalm 10 and verse 11. The Bible says, He says to himself, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will not see. The wicked who lives as if there is no God is comforting himself that God will never see. We see the same kind of attitude in Ezekiel 9 and verse 9, Ezekiel 8 and verse 12, and Ezekiel 9 and verse 9. The people are saying the Lord has forsaken the land and the Lord does not see. So the very thing that is denied to God in Psalm 10 verse 11, in Ezekiel 8 verse 12, in Ezekiel 9 verse 9, the Bible tells us that the Lord looks down from heaven and sees. In Psalm 53, 2, in Psalm 14, verse 2, we cannot live as if he does not exist, and we cannot live as if he does not know, for the Lord sees. But the Lord is looking to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. But as God looks down from heaven upon men, he does not see men understanding nor seeking him. As a matter of fact, they they are running away from him. They are doing wicked deeds. In verse 3, they have turned aside and they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Now, there is a Hebrew particle, sometimes called a particle of non-existence, that appears four times in Psalm 53, verses 1 through 3. It is the word that's used when the wicked is saying, there is no God. So the wicked is saying, there is no God. And the word again appears in verse 1 when the Bible says, there is no one good. The wicked is saying, there is no God, but God is saying, there's no one good. In verse 1 and in verse 3. And the phrase, not even one, is this same Hebrew particle. While the wicked is saying, there is no God, God is saying, there is no one good, not even one. And the question is asked in verse 4, Have the workers of wickedness no knowledge, who eat up my people, as though they ate bread and have not called upon the Lord. Here we see of the wicked that they have no knowledge, that they eat or devour God's people as if they were eating bread, and they have not called upon God. They have no knowledge of God. 
no knowledge of God, no practical relationship with Him. And they eat up people as if they were eating bread. Bread was the staple of their diets. Bread was the most common of all foods. And they devour or consume good, innocent people as if it was normal fare. And the Bible says they have not called upon God. In Psalm 50 verse 15, God said, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will rescue you and you will honor me. God called upon his people to call upon him. But as God looks down upon man and sees there is none good, there's none who seeks after God and there's none who understands, he sees these wicked people eating up his people. He sees them refusing to call upon him. In verse 5, they were in great fear, where no fear had been. For God scattered the bones of him who encamped against him. You put them to shame, because God had rejected them. Oh, that salvation would come out of Zion. When God restores his captive people, let Jacob rejoice. Let Israel be glad. Now, up to the first part of Psalm 53 verse 5, where the Bible says they were in great fear. Up, up to that point, these two psalms are almost word for word. But they diverge in Psalm 53 verse 5 and in Psalm 14 verses 5 and 6. In Psalm 53 verse 6 and in Psalm 14 verse 7, they come back together again and state the same words. But you see the difference between the Psalms in comparing Psalm 14, 5 and 6 and Psalm 53 and verse 5. What Psalm 14, verses 5 and 6 says is this, They were in great dread, for God is with the righteous generation. You would put to shame the counsel of the afflicted, but the Lord is his refuge. The emphasis of Psalm 14 is on God's deliverance of the righteous. The fact that God is with the righteous generation and the Lord is his refuge, the fact that those words are unparalleled in Psalm 53 show us that Psalm 14's emphasis is on the deliverance of the righteous. On the other hand, Psalm 53's emphasis is on the judgment of the wicked. Look at the parts of verse 5 that are unique to Psalm 53. For God scattered the bones of him who encamped against him, to put them to shame because God had rejected them. Those words of 53.5 that I just read are unique to Psalm 53. Psalm 14 emphasizes God's deliverance of the righteous, and Psalm 53 emphasizes God's judgment on the wicked. I would suggest that this also fits the bigger context 
in which these psalms appear. In the context of Psalm 14, there's an emphasis on God's deliverance of the righteous. In the context of Psalm 53, there is an emphasis on God's judgment of the wicked. Look at Psalm 14 and particularly go back to Psalm 12. Psalm 12, verses 5 through 7, and listen to these words. Because of the devastation of the afflicted, because of the groaning of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord, and I will set him in safety for which he longs. Verse 7, you, O Lord, will keep them, you will preserve him from this generation forever. Psalm 12 and verse 5, Psalm 12 and verse 7, those verses emphasize that the Lord will rescue him. He will rescue the needy, that the Lord will preserve the righteous. And so in this context, Psalm 14 emphasizes God's deliverance of the righteous. Psalm 53 emphasizes God's judgment on the wicked. And I would suggest that that is what has just been emphasized in Psalm 52. If you remember our podcast from Psalm 52, verses 1 through 4 are a description of the evil or wicked person. And then verse 5 says, But God will break you down forever. He will snatch you up and tear you away from your tent and uproot you from the land of the living. After the description of the evil and wicked person in Psalm 52, verses 1 through 4, there is an emphasis on the judgment of the wicked person in verse 5. And three violent verbs, break down, snatch up, and tear, uproot, excuse me, four violent verbs are used to describe God's judgment on the wicked. The judgment on the wicked has been emphasized in the context of Psalm 53, and that's the point that Psalm 53 particularly stresses. Sometimes, apparently, God felt that passages were so important that they need to be repeated more than once. The Ten Commandments are that way in Exodus 20, 1 through 17, and Deuteronomy 5, verses 6 through 21. The prophecy of the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord being established as top of the mountains, appears in Isaiah 2, 2 through 4, but also in Micah 4, in verses 1 through 3. There's some proverbs that are mentioned more than once. The words of the whisperer being dainty morsels is described in Proverbs 18:8 and Proverbs 22 Proverbs 26 verse 22. The sluggard saying there's a lion in the street is recorded in Proverbs 22:13 and Proverbs 26:13. And there are many other proverbs of that and many other illustrations of that. God doesn't waste words. He put these passages and recorded them again for a purpose. And I think they nicely fit into the surrounding psalms 
in which they are placed. We have tried to emphasize how these psalms are fulfilled in Jesus. And there are several things that might be recognized. How God brought salvation out of Zion in verse 6 and in verse 4, where God says the workers of iniquity have no knowledge, and yet Jesus used that as a point of intercession. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing in Luke 23 and verse 34. But in Psalm 53, verses 1 through 3, this passage, basically the same as Psalm 14, 1 through 3, is quoted in Romans 10. The point in Romans 10 is to show that all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. Let me emphasize to you that this passage about the fool saying in his heart, there is no God, rebukes us all. Because at some point, we've all lived as if there is no God. The fool has said in his heart, and the verses that follow are quoted to establish we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of God's glory. That bad news is necessary before Paul gives the good news in Romans that Jesus has died for all. He has been raised from the dead. He offers life and salvation and hope for all those who put their trust in Him. Psalm 53 convicts us all, drives us to see the need of the cross, and surrendering in obedience to Jesus. May the Lord bless you.